And this episode of Juice Guru Radio is brought to you by Try Best, making healthy living easy. Welcome. Welcome to Juice Guru Radio. Discover what the magic and power of juicing can do for you. And now, your host, best-selling author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Juice Fasting, Steve Prusak. Well, hello. Welcome to the show. I'm Steve Prusak. And today, we've got Ella Majors, 22-year ethical vegan and founder of Sexy Fit Vegan. She's going to show you how to amp up your life, take it to the next level, Throw away the ideas that you can't get fit and strong on a plant-based diet. We're going to be back right after this to prove you wrong with Ella Majors. Well, welcome back to the show. I'm Steve Prusak. Couldn't be more excited. We've got Ella Majors. Uh, she's got the brand Sexy Fit Vegan, where she's spreading the message on how to get fit, healthy, eating a plant-based diet, and plant strong. Uh, she's been uh, in all over in vegan fitness lifestyle coach for 15 years, named uh, Shape Magazine's 50 Hottest Trainers in America, took first the bikini division at the Fame Fitness World Championship, and was named Trainer of the Month on bodybuild, Bodybuilding.com, which is huge. She's been featured as a vegan fitness expert in the mainstream media, and she's here on Just Guru Radio. That's the most important to me. Let's go to the show right now, Ella Masters. So great to be here, Steve. Thanks for having me. Well, that's a pretty impressive bio you got going there. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so tell us about your journey, because I know for you, you know, you are in amazing shape, but body image was an issue and food was an issue. Take us through the journey of how your food choices changed and how your body image really affected your life. Yeah. So I'm going to take it way back to start, if that's all right. Until yeah, that's what I we was- were hoping. Okay. Well, I'm taking it way, way back till I was seven years old and I came home from school uh, one day. I'm seven. I'm in first grade and we had learned about Daniel Boone on the radio. Do you know who Daniel Boone is? He's one of our first American yeah. folk heroes, right? Yeah, and he wore yeah. the raccoon hat. Yeah. Hey, so his and, name reminds me of Johnny Appleseed for some reason. Like, weren't they just, friends? I, uh, something like that. Anybody I don't know? know? so he wore that raccoon hat and he carried around a shotgun and he killed animals to eat them and I came home from school and I said mom we learned about this awful guy today and he shot animals and I can't believe it what a terrible human being basically I do remember him yeah and so my mom was just honest with me and I thank her for that because she just said you know what Ella we are very fortunate Nowadays, we get to go to the grocery store. Um, they didn't have grocery stores back then, so he, he had to do it himself. And it was at that moment, the light bulb went off, and I connected the food on my plate with that animal that it was. And well, when that seven, happened... At seven years old. At seven years old. I think, you know, if there are past lives, I was definitely a slaughtered animal. I, that's all I can figure, <laughs> because... It was just like horrifying to me. And I said to my mom, I'm never doing, I'm never eating that again. You know, she thought it was going to be a phase. It was not a phase. I knew like right that moment on that that was important to me. So then your parents had to like, your parents had to figure out, okay, what are we going to feed Ella? Because now she doesn't want to eat what we're making her, which I'm sure was probably insulting too. Well, you know, they, I've got incredible parents. I have to say I'm the luckiest human being. They just have always supported me and who I am. And I've always been a very strong willed individual. I mean, I was like wanting to put on my own diapers apparently when I was two. So, 
so yeah, so they, they've always kind of fostered that um, independence in me. And you know, they, they thought I would, you know, grow out of it. I didn't. And they figured out that that wasn't going to happen. So they supported me. They really supported me along the way. And eventually, um, they've all become vegan since then. Oh, is that so right? my dad? Yeah, my dad came, became vegan. My little sister became vegan. My mom was almost vegan. Then she got colon cancer and went vegan. Um, so yeah, pretty much the whole family is. And my dog's vegan. So. <laughs> well, you really inspired them. I mean, was it, and I'm sure it wasn't through saying you need to do this or guilting them, was it? No, and that's how I've always done it. Now, don't get me wrong. When I was 15, when I, I went vegan, vegan, totally vegan, I was vegetarian at seven. I didn't quite get the connection with the dairy and the eggs. Um, but when I was able to do that research and find out the, the cruelty involved in all the industries, 15 years old, I, was, I went vegan when I figured that out. And I made it my mission. I knew at 15 that that was what I was meant to do in this world was help people um, understand what the consequences of um, the food they're eating in every way, from, you know, from where it comes from to what it does to your body. Um, so I knew that from a very early age. And I, I really went on the route of the animal rights thing for during high school. I, I even won like a award by the farm animal rights movement. Like it was, it was big. And I was sitting on, sit in cages on the side of the road showing people how, because I thought, I thought, Steve, that if only people knew what was, um, what was going on behind those closed doors of the factory farms, I said, if people only knew, they would surely make a different decision. Um, so since then, you know, I went a different route, but that was, that was my original. That was my thought at that time. Uh, and that didn't quite happen like that. So I've, I've gone a different route. Great. Amazing. Amazing. Inspirational story. So then how did the issue with body image come up? Cause if you're eating vegetarian, I mean, yeah, I know with a lot of dairy, you can be a little overweight, but tell us where that came from. Well, I was never overweight. I, I started sports at the age of five. I was doing gymnastics and swimming and dancing. And I, when I went to college, I, I got into the gym. And so then I'm starting to be around people that were really, you know, obsessed with food and they're eating their chicken and broccoli. And it never crossed my mind that I would ever eat animals again. But I just took that, you know, oh, they're eating a lot of protein. They're eating, you know, no... Uh, no fats. And I was taking that and I started to get obsessed with what I was eating. And I started to just lose touch with reality, really, when it came to my body. And I, I developed um, body dysmorphia, basically, because I was very lean. And I was, you know, counting calories and macros. And, you know, everything was about food all the time. I was thinking about food when from the time I got up till the time I went to bed, I would restrict, 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 and then binge. I would eat a whole jar of peanut butter. I mean, I'm out with this now, but this was embarrassing back then. I, I wanted to, you know, I didn't want anybody to know. For many, many years, I kept that a, a secret, and I wanted to be this shining light of what the perfect vegan looked like because that's how I was helping at that time was by inspiring people. And they were like, people would be like, wow, your body is rocking. I'm like, yeah, I'm vegan, you know, you can do yeah. it. And, but I was obsessed and it was, it was so anxiety producing and, and there was depression involved. There was, it was a rough time, but on the outside, I wanted to hold strong for what I thought was important um, to represent what a healthy vegan was. Does that make sense? Because that body dysmorphia is really, it's crazy. I mean, you look in the mirror and you see a reflection of what's not even in reality. Oh my gosh. I look back at pictures now 
And, and it never really goes away, Steve, but you learn the tools to move past it. And, you know, yeah, I look at pictures and I was, I was had zero, I mean, they could not measure the body fat on me for a period of time. And I would look in the mirror and I'd see love handles and I would, you know, and, right. and unless I was feeling so hungry, then I felt just fat. And I, it, it's almost hard, it's hard to say that because I know there are people that are overweight that, that might not get it because I am, not, I'm not overweight. So I've, and I've never been overweight, but that feeling was, was still, it really, um, it was hard. It was a really hard period of my life and it was a very long period of my life. Yeah. So anyone, no matter whether they're overweight or not can go through the same kind of struggle. Yeah. Yeah. So what led to the next thing? So then you decided, you know, you really got into the fitness and showing, redefining veganism because everyone's always saying you, you have to be skinny and pasty and, you know, it's just, you know, jokes on sitcoms even to this day. Mm-hmm. So true. Yeah. So uh, my first um, business was personal training. So I ran some gyms and started my own personal training business. And so I was focused on the fitness, not so much because I was so passionate about doing that, but because I, I didn't know how to create a business out of helping people go vegan because not, I didn't feel like enough people were ready. So I, that was my, my side thing was helping people go vegan and my job was personal training. So again, now everything's about food and your body and me helping people eat and work out to get lean, to lose fat. And and none of that's sustainable and none of that's very rewarding for me because I see people working out and I'm telling them, you know, they're doing burpees and they're, they're working their asses off and I don't have control over what they eat when they go home. And if you're eating crap, I, I always say you can't outrun your fork because if you're eating crap, you're, it doesn't matter how hard you work out. You're going to exhaust yourself and you're not going to get the results that you want. And you're certainly not going to get sustainable results. I mean, do you have uh, like a real sit down with them to explain to them about nutrition and what the better things to put in your body are? Yeah. Unfortunately, at that time, though, that was in my 20s, um, people weren't even ready to, they, they didn't want to hear about nutrition from me. <laughs> so, and I was just trying to pay my bills at the time. So I was, I was not fulfilled with that role whatsoever. But I did it, you know, I did it because I, I love fitness. It's, it is a passion and I met a lot of great people and I got to create my own schedule and I got to, you know, go wherever I wanted, but it wasn't fulfilling. So how did your brand Sexy Fit Vegan, how did that come to be? Yeah, so I think it was about five or six years ago when people started to get more receptive and about the whole vegan thing. And I was really to that point like, okay, I got to make a move because I'm not doing what I am supposed to be doing in this world. Like I'm spending energy on something that's not my mission in life. And so when I just said, I'm, I've had enough, I'm just doing it. I'm, and I created the brand Sexy Fit Vegan. I said, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet, but I'm going to create it and I'm going to build a website and I'm going to promote it and I'm going to get myself out there and just do whatever it takes, get my blog, put out content, um, and start to inspire people on a much bigger level than just locally. And so, yeah, Sexy Fit Vegan came to be because, again, I wanted to bring veganism into the mainstream and show that you can be absolutely sexy and strong and fit and have an incredible life um, as a vegan. Because back then, especially in Miami, I, I don't know about elsewhere, but 
you know, people had so many stereotypes still of, you know, broken stat, you had to be either hippie or, you know, a yogi or you're scrawny and you couldn't go out to eat and be fun. Like you couldn't be fun because you can't eat what everyone else is eating when you go out to eat. Um, so yeah, so I created the brand and I just, and I just went with it and yeah, I didn't, I, I had no business plan. I just went. So I was still personal training full time for, for several years. Um, but I did, you know, in, in that time, get a bunch of um, exposure and uh, I got the Shape magazine. I don't even know how that came to be. I got, you know, the publishing company asked me to write a book and I did that. And, um, right, and that, it wasn't that book is that's the six, the six pack one. Let yeah, it's called <laughs> the six week, the six weeks to sexy abs um, book. Do you have abs? Do you have a six I, pack? I, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're do. not going to ask you to show it because we're on the radio. But, okay. you know, but I want our friends at home to realize, yeah, you can get a six pack and still be vegan. Yeah. And you can, you can get a six pack and be vegan and not be obsessed with food, you know, which. But talking about food, you know, lots of people follow the vegan diet in lots of different ways. There's a whole food vegan diet. There's the McDougal starch diet. There's the Roth vegan diet. For you, what is work when it comes to nutrition and how you've got high energy and you're fit? Mm -hmm. What works for you? Because it's funny. Everyone really varies on this. It, it is. It's, and that's one of the things. And now I have a whole coaching program that helps people figure out what that looks like for them because mm -hmm. it is different for everybody. And it is, I mean, there's some base knowledge about nutrition we absolutely need to have. Um, but then it is, does vary as to kind of the macro balance that works for different people's body. You've got the 80, 10, 10 people who run the best on 80% carbs, you know, and that works fantastic for them. And then for some people that doesn't work well. And, and so there's just, you know, you can be healthy and still eat a different balance of macros. We all kind of need the same micronutrients that's important for all of us to get, but you can get that with a different macro balance, yet everybody's so obsessed with counting macros and how many grams of protein and staying away from carbohydrates like there's this scary monster and you know it's and so it's really more about building right. and then there's also the oil fat and sugar people too right and and there are people that swear by not having a drop of oil and that's fantastic for them um i i eat olive oil i i enjoy olive oil on my salad and i i use it and that's that's a part of the balance that works for me um, so I'm, I'm happy for somebody who's created a, a balance without oil, that, that, that works in their lifestyle. That's the healthiest way to go. In my opinion, that is the healthiest way to go. But for me, you know, and I, I, I like going to Sunday football during football season and I have garden wings and they're, they're not good for you, Steve. They're not, but you know, it's not something I do on a regular basis and it's not something I beat myself up for doing it. So it's, it's about making a conscious choice, about knowing about nutrition enough to make a conscious choice and a mindful choice, but then not beating yourself up if you are part of your balance is having a treat. You know, that's what and I'm it's also about the fitness because a lot of people just aren't moving their bodies. You know, they just oh, yeah. think they can eat whatever they want or eat the healthiest they can eat and still not exercise and move their bodies. So let's talk about the let's talk about the uh, <laughs> the importance mm -hmm. of exercise and how often you're going to the to the gym or if you're working out at home. How what is your routine? Oh, uh, so nowadays um, I was into Muay Thai for like hardcore for a long time, and when I was into Muay Thai and yoga which i do now um 
was like, I, I had to be this tough person, I think it was back then. So yoga, and also I didn't want to have that stereotype of a vegan doing yoga, I think. So in my 20s, I stayed away from yoga, but oh. then all the Muay Thai that I was doing, and I was lifting pretty heavy for many years. I was lifting heavy and doing hardcore Muay Thai and sparring, and I was beat up. Like, I, my body was beat up black and blue all over for years, um, and I loved it. But my body started to break down, and I was not doing the self-care and the muscle, the recovery routine that needs to happen for you to have a, a recovered, healthy body. So, so I did force myself into yoga, and it took me eight years, Steve, eight years to embrace yoga, and now I love it. I yoga, love it. I mean, it's funny. I've been going to the gym a lot. I go to the gym a lot, too, and, and I was doing some yoga poses the other day, and they can really, I mean, they can be as hard as anything you're doing in the gym. Oh, yeah, and it's fun. Like, I'm, you know, handstands are my thing now, and then you get to have something to work towards, you know? And so now, okay, I got the regular handstand. Let's get a one-arm handstand. You know, there's always something to nice. do, and it's all with your body weight. And then I can go and do handstands in front of, you know, on the beach. And it's just fun. It's fun. It's fun. And, and, it's, and there's different types of yoga. So I think some people also have the misconception that all yoga looks the same, and it's mm -hmm. boring, and it's quiet. Well, the yoga I do, and, and I know the real, like the hardcore yogis will probably yell at me, but I like doing the yoga that um, we're kind of doing it to hip hop music and rock and roll. And there's still that spiritual oh, really? aspect. I haven't even to heard me. of that. What, 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 yeah. what, what, kind, nah, what kind of yoga is that? Rock <laughs> and roll yoga? I don't know if they have it in LA yet. <laughs> well, oh yeah, they, they have everything in LA. Um, but, but is there, a, it's not. Um, Vanasa flow or like what is there a uh, terminology this, for that well the studio I go to we, we call it power yoga okay. so I I mean it would be good for me I'm admitting it full for, full force here that it would be good for me to do more restorative yoga um, but <laughs> I consider it a step you know to be able to do yoga and I'm doing it five days a week and and I've gotten so much more flexible my body feels so much better and I still do Muay Thai I do still do kickboxing three times a week, I do uh, like a fun spin class. And I call that a mood booster more than anything because doing steady state cardio and even hardcore cardio, you know, you can't outrun your fork. So it's, it's, for me, it's more about the mood boosting and getting your body moving and having fun. So that's my clubbing these days, which sounds a little pitiful, but you know, like I go to the spin class to be in the club, it's dark and we got the music and the lights and it's fun. And that's what I want to yeah. encourage people to do is find things that are fun. You know? Yeah, and there's also the mindfulness, right? If we look at the branches, it's always the food, the movement, and also how we're feeding our minds. Yeah. The yoga is an opportunity for you to be mindful, but are you finding other ways to develop that part of your humanity? Well, yeah, no, all, you know, since I've really, I've, I've kind of created, and it's not um, my own thing, but what I call the self-empowerment coaching system, which is a, a self-coaching tool and a method that I use and that is just a part of my way of life now that I teach people that really um, has you um, kind of looking inward, observing what's going on with you, observing your feelings, looking at the thoughts behind those feelings, and really just um, tuning inward to figure things out for yourself and to grow. Nice. And it's so powerful. And now I just feel like every day I say it all the time, like I'm playing life like a game. That's my mantra because every day is a new opportunity 
to, to grow and to discover and to make a move. And we get the power to make those moves and to not play the victim and to, you know, that's, that's why I'm so much about empowerment. It's we have the power to do whatever we want to do to make whatever decisions we want to make. And I just want everybody to, to, to be able to embrace that power within themselves. Yeah, mindset's everything. You clearly have that. Um, I saw a couple of your videos on YouTube, and I have a couple, of th- a couple of things I heard I wrote down, and I wanted to know, first of all, you talk about aligning your actions with your values, and I was tr- wondering if you could expand on that. Yeah, absolutely. This is kind of the foundation of what I would call plant-empowered eating is what I call it, but it's kind of intuitive eating. And we often just look at making decisions based like on willpower, right? Oh, oh, I'm not supposed to eat that or that's bad. But how about looking at it as if um, what do I care about in life and what is fulfilling to me and what is creating a meaningful life for me and what decisions can I make that support that? Oftentimes we're thinking about what can I do to get skinnier, you know, to lose weight, um, And when you sit down and look at your list of what you truly care about in your life, I bet, you know, being a certain number of pounds is not going to make your top of your list. It's going to be your health. It's going to be compassion for animals and making a difference in the world and the people that you love and building relationships. Those are the values. So when we look at those and really start to make decisions based on those, it's not about willpower anymore. It's not about good or bad or rules it's about making decisions that are going to help you and serve you, make you uh, full of joy, bring you health. Um, and like, like I say, align your actions with your values. And it just is such a freeing feeling to be able to do that. And the other thing you were saying was you can't outrun your fork. Now, can you tell our, our friends what that refers to? Yeah, well, you know, part of this cycle, the, the diet mentality cycle is – is about burning off calories, you know, and how many calories you're taking in, and then I got to burn that off. So working out becomes, first of all, a chore and a punishment when we're doing it that way. And then it's, you know, for 500 calories that we take in, we're trying to burn 500 calories out. And 500 calories is like, what, what, two Snickers bars. I mean, it's like, it's almost nothing. And when we're constantly in that state of how many am I coming in and then how many calories am I burning out? And then it's just this craziness like that consumes your mind and you really can't, you know, outrun your fork if you're not eating clean, whole foods, plant-based, um, you're not going to be healthy. And that's kind of what it comes down to or else you're going to be in the cycle. When you look back, did you feel better when you went from vegetarian to cutting out the dairy and, and the eggs? Oh, geez. I don't even remember. I was, I was 15, but. Oh, that's right. <laughs> but, <laughs> and I, I didn't even, con- that wasn't the concept back then. My, my, the body image stuff came in at, at, in my 20s and I, I felt like crap for yeah. a long time. Do you know what really helped me? And this is kind of off topic a little bit, but I was out, uh, I was at the, the holistic holiday at Sea Cruise a couple years ago. And I, I don't know if it was Dr. Clapper who came on and talked about chewing your food to a paste. And I swear, I had digestive problems before that. Literally, that's all it took for me to start eating mindfully, chewing my food to a paste, and all my bloating and digestion issues went away. Oh, that's, that's, that's a great It changed my life. Because <laughs> people don't chew their food. No, and if, you, if you're listening and you start to be conscious of that, you're going to see, like, you, you, we scarf it down, and, and our digestion starts in our 
mouth and our saliva. And so that's part of the digestive process. And when we're, we're skipping out on that, it really has a big um, negative effect on our digestion. Right. And we give you the tools here at Juice Guru on getting the juice in your body, getting that nutrition in, but you've got to really chew your food. It's got to absorb into your body. We're not going to get any benefit from our food. That's right. Juicing makes it, makes it easy because you don't have to chew, but <laughs> when it comes to just chewing in, ge- in general, that's... Um, yeah, that was kind of off topic, topic, but no, I swear to you, it made a big difference. Is, I feel like it is on topic. And also, juicing leads us to want more of these plant foods. That's, that's the biggest thing about it. Oh, absolutely. And ch- yeah, changing your palate. And, you know, I guess it was um, about a year ago, I think. Um, you know, for 30, I'm 38. I'm not afraid of that. Uh, 37 years, basically, I went and I really craved sweets at night. Right. And that's, I think that's common for a lot of people after dinner, you want something sweet. And I was tired of being ruled by that. And I tried to kind of moderate it out a while. And for some reason, I just made that choice. I think it was in line with this, um, the new way I was eating and the mindfulness and making choices, um, not based on rules, but on my values. And, um, yeah, when I, when I, (laughs) uh, I lost my train of thought. What you were talking about, the sweet, you know, we get, we all crave sweet, ah. we have that meal. Yes. So, so I cut it out for, I think it was only six weeks and I haven't craved, I don't even like sugar anymore. It's insane. Like I literally don't want anything sweet. Well, thank you for teasing my sugar busters program. Right. <laughs> uh, we didn't even plan that. I appreciate you plugging <laughs> what we're about to put out our uh, six week sugar busters program. If you guys are interested, we'll have more about that in the community, but Onto you. It, it, <laughs> yes, I had no idea. It does make a big deal. And, and, and a lot of us just, if, even if it's agave nectar or coconut sugar, like we think we're getting good sugar and it doesn't matter, does it? Yeah, no. And it's, it is part of that um, craving and that the changing your palate. And now fruit is plenty sweet and it literally doesn't taste good anymore. So it's was it not. Cutting, so it was cutting the sugar and then your palate changed, right? Yeah, absolutely. And how long, how long was it? I'm, I think it was about six weeks. Yeah, and that's how long our program is. Uh, really? So, yeah, for those interested, you know, Perfect. go to Juice Crew community. If you're listening on the radio, it's juicecrewtribe.com. And uh, you can be part of the community to hear when Sugar Busters is being launched this month, right here in June 2018. Uh, Ella, but we'd like to hear more about you. Where's the best way for our, our listeners to get in touch with you and the work you're doing and your fitness programs? Yeah, so pretty much everything sexy fit vegan. So, um, sorry, uh, sexyfitvegan.com. We've got uh, social media, sexy fit vegan. I've got a great masterclass that's completely free that talks about these mindset shifts. And that's sexyfitvegan.com forward slash masterclass. And that's totally free. It's, it's a really powerful um, class that I encourage everybody to, ch- to check out. And it's a great name, Sexy Fit Vegan. It's like, who doesn't want that? Um, you know, before we uh, close out here on iHeartRadio, can you share some advice for those? You know, we've got our community here of people that are eating, you know, standard American diet pretty much, drinking some juices, you know, some green smoothies, trying to get healthier. What if they want to take the leap and transition to this? What is some of your advice for those that say, all right, I'm going to give this a try? Well, I recommend sitting down and making a list of your top five values in your life that will, that will um, show you what's going to help you feel fulfilled, what you care about. And then look at what decisions that you're going to start making that are in line with those. 
And if that means, you know, you're trying to get healthy, then you're going to start making those different decisions. And it doesn't have to be overnight. Um, and it is about changing your palate and changing your, your gut, your microbiome. That changes as you, everything changes. So making the transition slow is totally fine. You've been eating one way your whole life. You're not expected to change over tomorrow. And don't even worry about saying, oh, I, I could never go all the way vegan. Don't worry about that. Just start making the steps and see where it takes you. Oftentimes you start feeling so much better that you just want to keep taking steps until you get there. And you can also make a list of your top five favorite foods and know that you can veganize them. Because right, most most regular most dishes can be veganized at this point. There's something Absolutely. You know, beyond meat and all those different things. Yeah, yeah, and use them as transition foods. You know, they don't have to be perfect. They don't have to be whole foods all the time. Make those transition steps. Um, so yeah, if it's beyond meat to get away from the chicken, fantastic, go there. And then you can start incorporating more legumes for your protein. Ella Majors, sexyfitvegan.com. That's where to find her. It's Ella Majors and find out all about her there. We highly recommend it. Amazing work. Ella, thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. It's been a great, great time. Thank you. I'm Steve Frisak and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Juice Guru Radio. Find out more about us at juiceguru.com. Until next time, get your juice on.